today I have Vivian back on the podcast. So she came on a few months ago, I believe, and I want her to come back because she has so much knowledge, especially talking about histamine today. Because I know she does have a lot of experience with histamine tolerance herself, but also in her practice. So Vivian Alred is a UK-based naturopathic nutritional therapist. And she now works primarily with women struggling with hormonal balances, digestive issues, educating them about the healing properties of food, nutritional supplements, lifestyle, and other natural remedies. And she offers online and in-person consultations and aims to identify and address the root causes of her clients' symptoms, supporting them with personalized health protocols. She's passionate about helping as many women as possible overcome their health issues, and she is dedicated to sharing regular content, including weekly blog posts, newsletters, and episodes on her podcast, Hormones and Harmony plus daily education, inspiration, and Q&As. So I'd highly recommend you guys follow her on Instagram and her podcast, super educational. But today we're gonna dive into, as I mentioned, histamine intolerance. So specifically talking about her story with histamine intolerance, uh, what it is, of course, and then the nitty gritty of how to navigate histamine intolerance and really how to find out if this is affecting you. So super excited to discuss this topic today and let's get started. So welcome back, Vivian, to the podcast. I literally had to have you back. I think I'll probably have you again and again, just because there's so many topics we can talk about. <laughs> and um, I know we've done a lot of live videos as well. So I know we can just go down all these rabbit holes. So I'm so excited for you to come back. Absolutely. Happy to be back. And you're right, there's so many different things that we can talk about and a bit about my personal experience with something that's not really discussed. It's becoming more recognized these days with histamine intolerance, but yeah, I just want to get the word out there because it could be a missing puzzle piece for someone listening. Yeah, and I know you do have a lot of experience with it, and it's not really something that's talked about a lot, and it's kind of, you know, just, we just don't really think about it when we look at our symptoms and things like that. We just don't think that it could be a thing. So I first kind of want to get you started talking about your story with histamine intolerance and kind of how you found out about it. Yeah, so I covered my whole kind of hormone and gut health piece last time I think so we'll, we'll just cover the histamine side of things now so initially um, as a child as a teenager I didn't have any food sensitivities at all I could literally eat anything that I wanted I joked that I had an iron stomach like nothing affected me I was fine with bread and milk and all of that um, it wasn't until I went through a period of over exercising under eating lost my period went on the pill um, then got really bad food poisoning. I started to notice lots of food sensitivities. And at first they were really random and I just couldn't identify that, them at all initially. So I had to keep a food journal. And then it was all weird things like bananas and walnuts and spinach that I would get hives on my face. So these are like little welts underneath my eyes and my cheeks. Um, I would get itchy skin. I would get anxious. I would get some stomach pains. Um, my skin would get red, my acne would flare up. And I just thought initially it was due to my hormones and PCOS and SIBO and all of these other issues that I had. And I was eating really healthy. So I'd already removed the big offenders like gluten and dairy, refined sugar. So I was really confused as to why I was reacting to all of these healthy foods. And I felt like the healthier I ate, the worse I got. So that was really an issue and then after time of tracking the foods and trying to make sense of what's going on I did get a food list that um, I initially ended up with that I was definitely reacting to these foods um, either immediately with like throat clearing or 
I would feel my skin start to get itchy, particularly on my scalp, or I would get an increased heart rate, those types of things. And it wasn't until I started studying at CNM, which is the College of Naturopathic Medicine, where I trained to be a nutritional therapist in the UK in the final lecture. So that was another good two to three years later. I learned about food sensitivities, obviously the big offenders and things like FODMAPs even that people can react to. But then we did a lecture on histamine and other food sensitivities that aren't commonly spoken about. And we didn't go into massive detail on that. But as soon as I saw the food list, they just matched up completely with the foods that I was reacting to. And some of the symptoms that they listed were the ones that I was having. So it was a definite um, tick for me. And that started off my whole journey. And that wasn't the answer. The answer is not just to take all of these foods out your diet forever, because they are some of the healthiest foods. It's more of a message or a symptom from a sign from your body that something is imbalanced. Your immune system's hyper-reacting, hyper-responding to just normal food chemicals, because that's what histamines are. And we'll cover a bit more about what it actually means. But um, yeah, so working on gut health was a big factor for me. Um, and then supporting liver detoxification, um, rebalancing my, my nutrient levels, coming off the pill, all of that. And it did improve. I probably got like 80, 90% better. And I was reacting to other food groups as well, not just histamines, um, a compound called salicylate. I was reacting to those and oxalates. So literally, the, again, the healthier I ate, the more foods I felt like I was reacting negatively to. So um, eventually, especially over these past couple of months, I've really tried to dig deeper because I know as a nutritional therapist, any symptom is just a, a cry, from, cry for help from your body. So being the geek that I am and the health detective that I am, I just wanted to understand why I was still having trouble with certain foods. And some of it is genetic, like certain people have issues with food sensitivities and histamine in particular because of genetics. But I just felt like there was something else going on. And my tolerance had definitely increased by doing all of those things. But there were still days that I would be pretty reactive um, and I just wanted to figure out why. And I think the last puzzle piece for me, which I've only just detected over the past couple of weeks through doing testing and further investigation, like I said, um, would be mycotoxin exposure or mold toxicity, which is another thing that's like a, a mimicker of so many different conditions. So mold toxicity is so prevalent these days. And I just think it's going to be a huge subject and a huge driver of so many people's conditions. Um, so the the mold toxins kind of suppress your immune system and impair your detoxification so that you can't break down these foods naturally so that's something that i'm currently working on and even just starting some of the simple protocols i can tell that i'm on the right track here and i really think this is the last fact of me and i'm going to be moving in january anyway to get out of the environment i was already moving anyway but it's just like perfect timing for me but yeah, that's that's what's going on with me. And I, I've not really spoken about that uh, kind of publicly at the moment, just to like figure out what's going on and just get my head around everything. But so yeah, you're one of the first people wow. to be aware of it. <laughs> yeah, I had um, no idea. So you yeah. just found mold in your apartment or did you test? Like, how did you find out? Yeah, so I tested, um, it's a urine mycotoxin panel by Great Plains Laboratory. And I went to a seminar the other week in London on... Um, mast cells and mold that was the title of the 
the seminar so it was like perfect mast cells are what release histamine so it's all related and after just attending that and i'd listened to practitioner webinars and i had been reading a lot into it and the more that i heard i just felt very drawn to that you know when you just you just know that that's something that you're dealing with mm -hmm. and maybe someone listening is feeling like that right now but i did the test and it came back really sky high on certain particular um mold toxins and the house that i live in it's like an old victorian house so it's from like the 1800s or something so it's very old i'm in the uk so it's like always damp and wet and rainy mm -hmm. and cold so it's like the perfect environment for mold um so i guess a lot of people are struggling with it and in the us and canada i suspect it's the same as well um yeah totally. especially it's with the, very, the very floods common. yeah the floods and hurricanes and all of that it really increases the risk so yeah and so what are you <laughs> fun, doing to address this <laughs> yeah so i'm doing i know exactly and that's the silver lining of it all and i guess it's expanding my knowledge a little bit to help others so i'm just oh, trying to okay. have that mindset as well um so yeah getting out of the exposure is number one that's like the first thing that you need to do so i have to kind of live in here for a while but i'm guessing if a good 20 years it hasn't really affected me because i lived in the same home um i'm still at home with my parents currently so if i've lived here so long and i've survived it's not going to kill me for another couple of months mm -hmm. um but yeah, I'm moving in January and that's the, the big factor to get out of the exposure. But in the meantime, I'm doing lots of binders and immune support and liver support and detox, all of that just to boost me a little bit. But you can't really see a massive difference until you make that big, that big yeah, shift. Totally. Yeah. It's like when you're reducing your toxin exposure, like bee products, cosmetics, stuff like that. Like you can take the milk thistle and all of those mm -hmm. kind of things, but if you're still <laughs> getting the toxins. Absolutely. Toxins, still overloading your system very so, true um, we talked a little bit about histamine well like literally just touched the surface but um so you mentioned obviously you can find um, histamine in more of these histamine releasing foods but also is um produced in the body so can you kind of explain to us what is histamine because i think a lot of my listeners are a little bit confused maybe they don't really know what it is so what is histamine yeah so histamine's a natural part of the immune system we've probably all heard of it in terms of like bug bites and allergies when you maybe get stung by a wasp and you get the redness you get the swelling and the itchiness it's because mast cells which are an immune cell they release histamine so that's what it is and our body should have it and it does some good things in the body so it helps with neurotransmitter production stomach acid um, production gut motility so it has some benefits with everything in the body too much of a good thing can be a problem as well so it's when it becomes excess that it can cause things like skin breakouts and anxiety and diarrhea, um, hives and urticaria, acne for me and some people, itchy skin, certain types of eczema and psoriasis. So just inflammatory conditions. And you can imagine looking at your arm topically if you had a bug bite or something, that's kind of happening in, internally. So that redness, that swelling, that inflammation, that fluid when it draws fluid to the area of well as well to swell that can happen inside and that's why people can have puffiness and edema as well and just feeling very inflamed all the time and that was another sign for me um, even though i was pretty healthy and i'd improved massively from where i was at a couple of years ago still some of my blood work was just a little bit off so my cholesterol was quite high and that's often due to inflammation um certain other vitamins were out of whack and my hormones my DHEA, for example, which is 
common in PCOS to be elevated. Mine was always really high. And although my PCOS symptoms had cleared up, my skin was clear, my body was just pumping out a lot of this DHEA hormone, which is a type of androgen. And that's like a protective hormone. So my body was trying to protect me from something this whole time, but I'm just trying to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. So there's certain foods as well that are rich in histamine. So it's kind of adding to the the load internally, which would be spinach and leftover foods. Because when you leave foods in the fridge and maybe do a meal prep, for example, of chicken, particularly meats, when you leave them in the fridge, they start to proliferate with bacteria and they produce histamine. Other foods would be like chocolate and cacao, certain herbs and spices and peppers, uh, vinegars, fermented foods like kombucha and sauerkraut. And I was literally downing all of these every single day at the start of my health journey, thinking yep. that I was Me healthy. <laughs> I was doing the bone broths and collagen and kombucha with every meal and sauerkraut at every meal. And I was feeling absolutely terrible. So my skin had never looked worse. My scalp was on fire, itchy and inflamed and red. Um, I was so anxious. I had so many digestive issues and I actually thought I was just detoxing. So that's how ridiculous it is. I was like, oh, I'm just clearing all the toxins out of my system. It'll pass. And it just started getting worse and worse. So then I was finally like, no, I'm going to stop all of these things. And I even have a blog post, which I'll, a blog post, which I'll send you the link to. Um, this was a f- few months later, but I was still including histamine-rich foods unknowingly. So I was having chocolate and um, certain nuts, literally every day, collagen protein powder. And a week after cutting them out and I'd going on a low histamine diet, which we'll talk a bit about, my skin was completely clear. So <laughs> the blog post is called How I Cleared My Skin in Seven Days by Eating Less Healthily. Mm, and yeah. that's, very, that's very counterintuitive to what we're told, but it can be the case and that's why everything is so bio-individual and there's no one diet for everyone um and you can imagine histamine as like a there's like a bucket analogy so unlike other sensitivities where you kind of have to cut them out completely if you're sensitive you can imagine we've all got like a, a bucket or a rain barrel and there's only a certain threshold that we can each individually take So bacteria in the body and eating histamine-rich foods and stress, certain medications can all fill up that bucket. And obviously when it gets full, it will overflow and that can cause symptoms. But there's other things that can empty the bucket as well. So stress management and hydration, certain herbs, antihistamine foods. So it's all about balance. And there were some days when I I felt like I could tolerate certain foods and then other days I couldn't. So it probably would be when I was extra stressed, I need to be a little bit more careful. Or if I was choosing to have some chocolate one day, maybe I also wouldn't have um, leftover foods. I try and cook everything from fresh. I'd have some antihistamine herbs alongside just to balance it out. So it's different from other sensitivities and it's more of a tolerance and threshold in the body. Yeah, and for me actually, not that long ago, I was starting to get into this too, because I think we have a similar kind of path with like mm-hmm. PCOS and histamine yeah. too, because I've been noticing and my genetic test actually came back with a higher than normal genetic risk of histamine mm. intolerance. So I'm like, okay, this is definitely an issue. Yeah. Um, and acne is also, I think me and you, that's like our, one of yeah. our biggest symptoms for PCOS and, you know, other things. It's like the acne, like we all have our kind of like symptoms that come out. Um, but for us too, I think it's acne, one of the biggest ones. Um, yeah. And even when people say, because my acne is primarily like the bottom half of my face and my jaw, my neck, 
-hmm. and everyone blames that on hormones and yes it can be due to male hormones and testosterone but for me it's inflammation and histamine that triggers that acne Mm. so my hormones could be perfectly fine maybe the inflammation is having a negative impact on my hormones but directly for me yeah yeah it's all connected there's no like separation between them but if I eat chocolate, for example, I'm going to wake up with a breakout, like regardless of uh, all of these other factors with my hormones, that's just how it is. And it is in that bottom part of your face. So it could be poor gut health that's driving your um, chin and cheek acne. So don't, the, the Chinese face mapping is sometimes accurate, but not completely. Um, and can you, people can miss other things because they're just so narrowed in on a certain area. So I just want to make that point. <laughs> Yes, good point. And so we're talking about obviously genetic predisposition, but what if somebody doesn't have that genetic predisposition? You're talking a little bit about like the rainbow barrel effect. Mm -hmm. So can this affect anybody or is this, you know, certain people, certain causes? Yeah. So my genetics aren't actually too bad in the histamine. I've got, it's called heterozygous. So you just have one genetic mutation. Obviously people with two genetic mutations are more likely to be at risk, but it's like with anything, people can have the breast cancer gene and because they live healthy, they maintain a healthy body weight, they exercise, they don't drink alcohol. That that influences the genes more than um, having that genetic blueprint there. So it's the same with histamine. I've known people to have the worst histamine genes ever they have literally all all the snips that they could have and they tolerate histamine just fine and it's because they're really healthy maybe they haven't had a trigger that's turned these genes on and the opposite is true as well so you could have absolutely um perfect genes and no problems in the histamine snips but you could be very reactive because your environment has triggered that So there's certain genes in the body. One of them is in the gut and it's called the DAO enzyme, diamine oxidase. And that breaks down histamine in the gut. And for many reasons that can become damaged. Like with other enzymes, people have probably heard, like when you've taken antibiotics, for example, you can become temporarily lactose intolerant. And that's because it's damaged the intestinal lining and you've lost that enzyme, but they can grow back. So leaky gut and SIBO and gut infections and yeast overgrowth can all damage the intestines and you can temporarily lose the function of the DAO enzyme. And that's why histamine's not broken down like it has done in the past or should be broken down. And then you end up with a buildup of histamine and it could be um, other things like medications, birth control pills can all really impact gut health. So that would be the main, the main enzyme and the main reasons and there's another enzyme called the HNMT, histamine and methyltransferase, that works more extracellularly. So it works in other parts of the body and in the liver as well. So they're both important and many things impact genetics. Um, nutrient deficiencies can impact these enzymes too, because you need enzymes, you need nutrients for enzymes to function. So all of your vitamins and minerals, particularly beneficial ones would be vitamin C and B vitamins and magnesium and copper. These are all key for histamine breakdown enzymes. So it seems like liver detoxification and gut health is definitely one of the the main ones. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And stress. Yeah, stress will cause the mast cells to just release a ton of histamine into the system because your immune system's on alert all the time for signs of danger in the environment so that could be a virus or a bacteria or an insect bite 
and when it senses any danger in the environment it will release histamine as a protective mechanism so it literally could be you're late for work you're stressed you're kind of freaking out about something and your body could just be hyper responsive and push out a ton of histamine into the system because it thinks maybe your life's life's in danger even though you're just maybe sat in your car in traffic it's going to do the same response because your body's very smart and complex and it's it's trying to protect you the whole time so with any condition or any symptom try and reframe that as your body trying to help you it's not working against you um and i've had to learn that as well because i'd be like oh my god i just want to eat like healthy fruit fruits and vegetables and i'm reacting and you get very angry that causes more stress and it's just a vicious cycle so think of it as a message try and find the root cause um, and then just work towards that yes no band-aids here we got to go to the root mm -hmm. that's what we love yep. to do um and so for you specifically obviously you need to you know cut out or at least reduce the high histamine foods um, but what does this mean for you in terms of like your journey? Was this like completely cutting them out for a little bit or just reducing them, reducing your load? Um, do you eat them now? Like what does that look like in terms of like acute healing and long-term healing? Obviously when you're working on the root imbalances. Yeah, I'm like a very all or nothing person. So initially I just like cut everything out. I would cook every single meal from scratch. I wouldn't buy anything prepackaged or have anything left over i didn't go out to restaurants for a good couple of months just so i could really find out what's going on and your body with histamine it can respond pretty quickly so again with other food sensitivities you often have to give it a good 30 to 60 days to notice some changes but with histamine if it's a problem for you which it isn't for everyone it's it's not rare but it's not something to go straight towards if you haven't even covered the basics um so initially i did it very strictly and because i noticed such an improvement i was like oh my god this is i'm gonna stick with this forever but it becomes very difficult to do that so you have to my tolerance was improving at the same time because i was working on gut health but you have to live your life a little bit and be a little less strict and again when you work on the stress management side of things and restore nutrients your tolerance expands but i wouldn't recommend sticking with a low histamine diet for more than two to four weeks maximum because if you read food lists online you could literally say any food is high histamine so i don't recommend just googling this i have a blog post that i've narrowed down um that's much less strict than others so if you want to check that out i'd recommend it um but there's like 50 different charts online that are like no this is high histamine when actually in fact it's not and everyone responds differently so just because something is high histamine your body could still respond um normally to that so it's all about personal tolerance again but the more that you restrict foods um and the longer you stay in a low histamine diet the harder it is going to be to heal because you need energy and nutrients and calories and healthy hormones to heal ultimately so the answer isn't just to stay there it's to yes reduce histamine and go on a lower histamine diet for a little while whilst you're working on the root causes simul simultaneously and now like i said from four years ago my tolerance has massively improved i don't have to be as strict but there was always that that lingering issue um that i was frustrated about and i just wanted to figure out what's going on so now i eat histamine foods around my, my cycle as well 
because there's a connection between histamine and estrogen and this is like a whole nother subject so stop me if it's going a little bit off tangent um, but basically histamine increases estrogen or liberates estrogen and vice versa so estrogen stimulates histamine so at certain times of the cycle when estrogen is highest this would be ovulation and the week prior to your period histamine levels can be higher and this means that you could be more symptomatic so if there's anyone listening who gets things like acne or their anxiety gets worse they have hormonal headaches they have cramps before the period the allergies flare up at those times it could be related to histamine and they've done a lot of studies recently on the condition endometriosis and how there's a, a big factor because it is more of an immune inflammatory condition that is a big component with the mast cells and histamine so now i really try and reduce my histamine the big the big offenders so like the the highest in histamine foods around those times and really flood my body with nutrients and antihistamine foods at those times just to balance my symptoms out a little bit so not as strict but i still have to cycle it in but hopefully in a couple of months time i should be um i should be able to tolerate them that's my goal and so what are these high histamine foods and like the low ones? What would be the differences? Yeah, so there's different categories as well. And on the blog post, I share a big food list. There's foods that are outright just high in histamine. There would be things that are fermented and pickled, aged or cured meats, leftover foods like we've spoken about, and alcohol, vinegars. They're the, they're the typical big ones. And then other foods may be histamine liberators. So they're not necessarily high in histamine, but they trigger a histamine response from the body. These would be things like strawberries and grapes and dried fruits and spinach and citrus fruits. So there's a whole range of foods on that list. And again, the more aged they are. So if you have um, a piece of fruit, for example, like a banana, when it's green and unripe, it's less in histamine but the more it ages and degrades and turns brown and spotty that increases the histamine content as well so it's a little bit complex um so i've tried to simplify it as much as i can and then the antihistamine foods would be things like watercress and celery cucumber ginger um blueberries um, so many things i can't think of them off the top of my head they're all listed on the so it's all like the fresh freshly prepared mm -hmm. foods, vegetables and fruits, um, and weird things like capers and pea shoots. Lots of random things on there. I don't know who's studied them, all of these foods, but someone's done a good job because they do definitely help. And certain herbal teas help as well. When my histamine, I was in like a big flare, flare up with my symptoms. And now at the certain times of my cycle, when I notice that I'm getting a little bit high histamine, I can just feel it. Um, certain herbal teas would be Tulsi being my favourite, holly basil. It's also an adaptogen, so good if you have adrenal imbalances, just good for general, the modern person anyway, because we're all pretty stressed. It's high in antioxidants, it reduces inflammation, um, it's non caffeinated, so you can have it at any point of day, any time of day, and that reduces histamine. Ginger tea helps to stabilise the mast cells. And nettle tea is another great antihistamine herb as well. And so what you were kind of talking a little bit about taking supplements, obviously gut healing and liver. Were there any specific supplements uh, apart from these herbs that you're talking about um, that really helped you when you were going through this? 
Yeah, so um, magnesium is number one. Magnesium is good for literally everything. Um, they've done studies to show that people with the lowest le levels of magnesium have the highest levels of histamine. So you definitely want to get that up there and that'll support any other maybe hormonal or digestive issues that you have as well. Vitamin C is important for stabilizing the mast cells. So when you have histamine issues, your mast cells can become a little bit leaky. So like leaky gut, it can kind of cause a lot of inflammation. The leaky mast cells can just start spewing out histamine for no reason at all. Um, so that would be another good one. Vitamin C, um, so you can take holy basil or tulsi as a herb. And for me, other ones would be... Um, <laughs> it's got black. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, um, sulfur. So sulfur is a great one. So I like MSM and NAC. So mm -hmm. these are sometimes used for liver detoxification. So that anything that's supporting your liver, dandelion, artichoke, curcumin, these can all be helpful as well. Amazing. And so obviously you've seen the link between estrogen and leaky gut and histamine. But what about PCOS? Do you see? this being a problem in, cause I know you do work with a lot of PCOS women. Do you see this a problem in more PCOS women or not really? Yeah, it's hard to say because women with PCOS also have gut issues a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So they could be just related to that, not necessarily the um, PCOS, but PCOS is driven by inflammation. So there could be an underlying issue there as well. And anyone with gut issues could have a histamine problem as well because of the the DAO damage that I mentioned earlier but I see a bigger connection with endometriosis if I'm honest and anyone who exhibits any types of symptoms of histamine issues or has really bad seasonal allergies or those symptoms are worse in a cycle so with the menstrual cycle the symptoms flare up I always think of histamine and just any signs of inflammation in the body can be driven by that as well but there's no real good tests to do that are tests like blood work that would, could check your whole body histamine levels or your DAO enzyme, for example, and the genetics, but they're a little bit inaccurate and I don't prefer to use them. The gold standard would be the histamine challenge. So doing a two week to 30 day low histamine diet and monitoring your symptoms. So if you feel significantly better on a low histamine diet, and then you do a day where you have a ton of histamine rich foods and you feel terrible, then that's a pretty good sign and feedback from your body that it's something to experiment with. And it's easy to do and it's free. So that, that would be the first place to start. But again, don't just, just don't stay on that forever because that's not the answer. Um, it's a good sign that you've figured out what's going on but you actually want to be working on the underlying imbalances at the same time. But if you have other symptoms as well um, and you want to work on the root causes, then that's when I would look at things like gut health. So SIBO testing, stool testing could be helpful because if you have parasites and bacterial overgrowth that can stimulate histamine in the body, having estrogen dominance, as I mentioned, can increase histamine levels. So making sure that you're processing your estrogen down the healthy pathways and that's where something like a dutch test could come in making sure that your liver detoxification is working optimally and um, your thyroid because when your thyroid's slow everything can slow down like your detox pathways like your gut motility 
So that could be an underlying factor as well. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that. And it's so similar to the leaky gut situation, um, intestinal permeability, because all the time I see people just say, or even practitioners, they don't really know what to do. Like, just cut out the food. And then they're literally just like, well, yeah, I'm still exactly. suffering, right? Because yeah, we're not literally focusing on the root imbalance. So mm-hmm. again, we want to focus on, okay. And obviously we don't want to like eliminate all these foods forever. That's just not fun. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's not helpful, right? So definitely want to do more testing. And that's where usually I suggest starting with the gut like you as well that's pretty much where it all starts right yeah and probiotics as well are another thing people they just start taking probiotics when they're trying to be healthy they're trying to improve their symptoms but there's actually certain strains of probiotics that increase histamine um there's one of them called lactobacillus casei that's particularly um problematic for people with histamine sensitivities so just double check in the back of your probiotic and you can Google the other ones as well. Some of them I can't even pronounce. So just have a look and Google histamine stimulating or histamine um, increasing probiotic bacteria and you'll be able to see and then just double check the, the capsules that you're taking as to whether that's a factor as well. Because I was, again, spending all of this money on probiotics and was wondering why I would feel worse my acne would get worse when i take probiotics and i'm like yeah it's because bacteria are dying and everything's changing in my gut and it'll it'll wear off and it never did it just started getting worse um a probiotic that the type of probiotic that's pretty safe for a lot of people whether they have histamine issues or they have SIBO because that's another thing that people could react badly to it's because they may have a gut infection and the probiotics are just adding to that adding fuel to the fire so I like the spore forming probiotics, particularly the mega spore brand, and I've got no affiliation with them. So I'm just sharing what I love and use successfully. I've been wanting clients. to try that one for a while. I definitely Yeah, it's so it. good. Yeah, it's so good. And it actually helps to work on the underlying factors like leaky gut. It reduces inflammation, reduces endotoxin, and therefore helps the intestines to heal and regenerate, therefore supporting the DAO enzyme if that's the problem for you. So I've just found them to be very effective. And so last question for you. Um, obviously, this is kind of like a big one, but <laughs> if we just keep it like a little bit, you know, summarized. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. we talked about the holistic route. Um, what would be, did you go to conventional medicine first or did you just completely go like the holistic route right away? What is like, what would differ? Like what would happen if you went to a doctor about this versus like going the route that we are talking about? I didn't go directly for histamine and food sensitivities because by then I just knew that they weren't going to help because I went to my gut health issues originally and my PCOS and I was just given birth control pills and told it's IBS and it's all in your head or everyone bloats. So I was kind of over conventional medicine by that point. So I just didn't even bother. Um, Typically they do just the general allergy tests, skin prick tests, but because the symptoms are very, very random and may not happen immediately. So with a food sensitivity, unlike a food allergy that happens pretty quickly and it's very noticeable and can be life-threatening, a food sensitivity can develop maybe 20 minutes later up to three or four days later. So that's why doctors can say that it's not a food sensitivity because it would happen quickly or because it's maybe something like acne they don't relate it to food at all because in their eyes diet doesn't affect skin at all it's just genetics it's just bad luck 
and we know that that's not the case at all even some dermatologists are saying that which is crazy and they'd also recommend antihistamine medication which yes can help suppress symptoms but they don't actually reduce the histamine that's being produced they just block the cell receptor so there's all of this histamine floating around in the system still maybe you're not you're not noticing that in terms of symptoms but you have really high levels of histamine internally so it's masking the problem and when you come off them you can actually have a rebound of symptoms and that's why people become very reliant on them and can become in a vicious cycle where they try to stop but they can't so they just keep going back on it similar to the birth control pill i was just gonna say that yeah <laughs> you really need to just like um wean yourself off and obviously work with someone don't just stop your medications but you can absolutely come off them eventually and that's recommended too because there's a lot of scurry press these days about antihistamines and certain other medications how they um, can impact fertility so they dry up mucus in the body that's the job and that can impact cervical mucus production and it can affect your neurotransmitters and all of those other things that i mentioned histamine is beneficial for so they have been linked to things like parkinson's and alzheimer's as well with long-term use so that would be the typical conventional um histamine approach and allergy approach but histamine intolerance isn't very recognized you either have anaphylactic anaphylactic shock and allergies or you're completely fine with foods and there's a middle ground same with gluten you either have celiac disease or you're fine with you're fine with gluten to have it 20 times a day that's what doctors think but there's middle grounds there's a gray area with everything yeah and then it's usually like the thyroid for instance it's acknowledged when it's like too late or like in the yeah. emergency situation mm -hmm. where obviously you want to reduce this and be proactive that's what we're all about right so that's like the yeah approach and i remember going actually once with one of my histamine um symptoms which i didn't know what the time was that that i just get the immediate urge to urinate and i would actually literally wet my pants sometimes it was that bad it would just come on all of a sudden and there was no way i could hold my bladder and histamine can really affect certain things like um, interstitial cystitis and urinary tract issues and sensitive bladders. So I went to the doctors with that once and he was just like, yeah, you just need to do Kegel exercises and strengthen your pelvic floor. And it was actually a food reaction affecting my bladder. So after stopping those foods, it didn't happen again. So that's just wow. one example. But at the time, I just, that. I know, exactly. It can affect every single cell of the body. Yeah, it is systemic. So it's important to remember that everything connects to everything. So yep. really got to get to the root cause. So this mm -hmm. was amazing. I think that my listeners are going to love this. Um, we are running out of time though. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about uh, what you're doing right now, how we can find you and follow you. Absolutely. So yeah, I've loved talking about this. Apologies for the, the brain farts. <laughs> no, I love it's it. Past, I love it's the brain. past 6 p.m. here. <laughs> And my brain just shuts off now because of daylight um, savings. It's just the worst. So yeah, I guess apologies dark everyone. At, what, 4.30 over there as yeah. well? Yeah, yeah, same here. Hate it. I get it. <laughs> and I don't have my sad lump shining on me, so I regret that. But all of the, <laughs> the important information is on two blog posts on my website. So there's the histamine and your hormones, and that's the histamine and estrogen connection that's important for some people and the um, natural solutions for histamine intolerance that talks about the kind of pathophysiology the mechanisms the food lists the supplement list it's all on 
my blog post, which I'll send to Laurence and she can put in the show notes and share with you all. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Viva Natural Health, V-I-V-A Natural Health. Um, I'm on Facebook, not very active there. I think everyone's more on Instagram. So I've, I'm mainly over there. And I also have a podcast called the Hormones in Harmony podcast, which you've been on, Laurence. And yes, you're right, we'll definitely have to, you'll come back on my podcast at some point and we'll talk, talk about some something more. else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find something. There's always something. Um, so yeah, you can find me on there. And I talk all about PCOS and histamine and thyroid, just general hormones and um, healing naturally, food is medicine, all that good stuff. Yeah, and I did read your blog post. I highly recommend checking it out, guys, if you want to get more into the stuff we talked about today. So I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, your podcast as well, so amazing. I always binge listen, listen to it. So <laughs> check it out, guys. And thank you so much for coming back on. You're welcome. Thanks, Laurence. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope it was insightful. I hope it was helpful for you in some way. And if you guys ever have any comments or questions, um, tag me on Instagram. It's really easy. I'm always on there. So happy to discuss things with you and answer any of your questions. If you enjoy this or any of the past episodes, I always appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. It really does help me out and reach more people and spread my message. So it's really easy to do. It takes 30 seconds. If you don't know how to do it, Google it. It's really easy. And I do really appreciate it. So thank you for your support. Thank you for listening today. And we'll be back next week.